0: I write that that down for me, Saito. Write that down
1: for me, Saito. Hey everyone, welcome back to Write That Down. I'm your host, Justin Nipper. I'm editor at fightgamemedia.com, F4W Online, and WrestlingObserver.com. And I'm back with Japan's leading wrestling writer, historian. Broadcast journalist Mr. Fumi Saito, Uh, welcome back to part two of our showcase series on Giant Baba. In this episode today we talked about uh, Giant Baba's transition from a star wrestler into a promoter during the beginnings of All Japan when it started in 1972, 50 years ago this year. And we talked about this deep relationship that developed between All Japan, his organization, and the NWA in the US, and we talked about why many Japanese fans viewed uh, the NWA as the two big leagues of pro wrestling back then. Um, Next week, we'll pick up at Giant Baba's career during the early 1970s. Again, at the beginnings of All Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, Baba would eventually phase out from being the star wrestler to um, support act in the ring and behind the scenes he is the king uh next week we'll also talk a lot more about mrs baba motoku baba and uh the relationships he had to many of his all japan sons you could call them that's next week Um, no no minasan it's mo ego de kitakura satay arigatou gozaimasu nion kore arimasen Spotify, Apple downcast no platform the fight game media Network All right if you haven't already please subscribe to the Fight game media Network free feed. you can do it on any platform that you listen to podcasts on like Apple Spotify Stitcher, downcast uh, yeah thank you in advance. And thank you for subscribing anyway. Those who are already subscribed, thank you, thank you. All right, let's get into it. Giant Baba Part Two. What
0: I'm trying to, try to get to is, so Giant Baba was Jap- Japan's 60s, early you know, uh, early 60s to mid 60s economy, you know, booming, and television turning into you know, the living color. You know, from, from, from black and white TV to color TV it's just, you know, another era begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jan Papa was there actually see Ricky Dozan wasn't all that big, big guy, you know, the myth he says he's like 180 centimeter, but from, from what I see from the photos, he must be around like five, nine ish. 5'8", five nine-ish, he's stocky, you know, 230, 40 pounds. But uh, it was important to be shorter than American big wrestlers because Americans, like a stereotypical American big, big, big guy like Sharp Brothers, the,
1: mm.
0: you know, what whatnot.
1: Kowalski. Ricky dozen
0: Yeah, yeah, right. So, so Ricky Dozens going to, you know, beat these big American with his karate chop, so it was okay to be a little shorter, but in Baba's era, he is just, uh, just like uh, when the Tokyo Tower being built, that the Tokyo Olympics come to Japan, not this Tokyo Olympic, but 1964 Tokyo Olympic, there was a lot of signs and symbols of Japan's, um, not a, not a quite development what's the word I'm looking for it's like a Japan's making comeback not just the post-war but like a, you become that uh industrial and economic center of the world type of deal right the giant recovery yeah yeah and uh, uh giant Baba symbolized that too and color television giant Baba the baseball is, you know, Yomi Giants always, it's a big, you know, favorite, and uh, yeah, so Baba fits into that, uh, the mode of the era, and uh, compared to Antonio Inoki, like he was television star, much bigger television star than Antonio Inoki. It wasn't in, always Inoki who wanted to be like Baba, right, so that's where, uh See, in today's wrestling, Anton Inoki seems uh, much more influential and uh, uh, like the type of superstar you really have to study what he has done and uh, uh, his fingerprints in the industry, Uh, Muhammad Ali and Inoki, the the beginning of MMA, that uh, all, all these things that, you know, innovating things inoki has done but the giant baba was much much bigger star than anybody in the wrestling industry in japan therefore that's probably why inoki really had to be always conscious that
1: the, you know we got to surpass giant baba yeah he wasn't he, he just wasn't a wrestler for... he wasn't just a baseball player he was a seemed like a kind of symbol or representation of a lot of different things in one in, in one person
0: in, in, in time yeah yeah like you yeah you and i talked about just a kind of like a modern day paul bunyan kind of thing right yeah.
1: like a uh folk hero
0: yeah i think so i think so and also he very elusive too that he was like um he never gave like your wrestling interview when newspaper Come and do interview. It's more like about, like a people section instead of sports section, mm-hmm. in newspaper. And he never really did this wrestling. Like you know, who's gonna he's gonna beat somebody and you know, all these. You know, never did this. You know, he sat sat down and had a cup of tea or something and talked about his childhood, talked about his baseball days, talked about days in in, in the states all by himself, traveling around the world. Then wrestling champion. So they just so happened to be wrestling champion. And he, in his John Baba's, you know, media interview, the wrestling part was just one of the few things that, that they talked about, not just only wrestling, but he talk about his you know life. And that's how he's been always been treated. And I guess some people can be so naturally baby face, and whereas some people just have to be in character, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Bubba never was. He really couldn't be. He was, he was a giant. He was himself, and he was already established as a, a baseball player beforehand.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But wasn't the big star baseball player, but the tallest guy, and signed, up, you know, right off high school, and the the Yomiuri Giants signed him before there was such thing as baseball draft that the baseball draft doesn't start till 65 and Baba just right off high school And uh, in fact he didn't even finish 12th grade he signed with you know Giants in in the middle of his 11th grade year
1: he's special very special special character nobody Mm -hmm. before or after really was just right
0: and always um, talked about you know how he never was able to buy clothes or shoes or sandals or, or the sneakers, you know, the, the tennis shoes or the regular clothes, right? So it was very special when he traveled to America and as a wrestler, of course, that uh, he finally went into department store where you can find any clothes, not any clothes, but it has to be a big man size, but uh, he was able to buy shirt, the, the t-shirt that the, the 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 pants, even denim, and, and uh, tennis shoes, and the dress shoes, and all all the way till like until the day you know all the all the way to nineties, he always went to states to buy his clothes. Mm. But they, oh, Taylor tailor made suits? Always you know had his suits made. Um, he even ordered custom made sock, You know like dozens and dozens of socks. You know. <laughs> it's like it's all giant story huh it's a unique experience unique life experience right right and also he was yeah it's another four kilos you know, it's just a, you know item you need is your prince and princess love type deal that uh, Jean- Shohei Baba met Motoko when he was 17 and she was only 15 and while he in the second trip to the states, uh, he was staying with Fred Atkins in Lake Ontario. That's when Baba and Motok was writing each other letters, love letters. Hmm. Those love letters, and always in the exhibition. And you know, when when they do the Baba exhibition at, at you know at the gallery or something, that those airmail, you know, old old-fashioned handwritten letters to each other. They kept it, so it's just a part of the exhibition, you know. Baba being 25, Motoko being 23, and they are writing each other letters, you know, decide to be together kind of thing. And also that uh, they tell a real good story. Um, um, John Baba had a single, single match, very important single match against Bruno San Martino before there was such thing as WWE or WWF, of course, but uh, Vince McMahon Sr., Vincent James McMahon's WWF, WWF, I should say, wouldn't start till 1963, okay? You know, the Bruno San Martino against Barry Rogers thing. But the year before that, 62, they already had single match at Madison Square Garden, you know, Giant Baba against young Bruno San Martino. And then came back in second trip in 64, Yes, now it's WWF and Bruno San Martino is your symbol that the king of WWF and is the main event of Madison Square Garden and have another important single match against one another. Baba against Bruno San Martino, main event Madison Square Garden. That's when Motoko uh, made in her first trip to New York and Baba and Motoko were in the backstage of Madison Square Garden, 1964. They clearly remembered 19 year old Vince, Vincent Kennedy McMahon running around, 19 year old Vince running around backstage of Madison Square
1: Garden with bow tie on. <laughs> Is that interesting? It's uh, funny to think, I wonder if Vince and Linda McMahon wrote each other love letters. Probably did
0: because he <laughs> served in using uh, service too, right? In a short period of time, but yeah. uh, yeah, and also college friends, right?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so simple. I think they are similar. Similar, I guess a lot of people were like that back then.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, hey Fumi, can I pause this for a second? I'm having a weird issue with this microphone, so I'm going to pause. sure. Right sure
0: here. And they clearly remember. i ha- Um, I heard this from Motoko in person. It was in 1990 when Vince McMahon came and and, and, and promoted Wrestling Summit at at Tokyo Dome. All Japan, New Japan, and WWE worked all together as a Wrestling Summit and had a big show at the Tokyo
1: Dome. Remember? Very special. Probably won't ever happen like that again.
0: Probably not. It was main event it was Stan, Stan Hansen against Hal Hogan very historical match and Giant Baba and Andre the Giant made the tag team for the first time. And, uh, they went over on demolition, I believe, and there was uh, historical Randy Savage against ten, you know Genichiro Tenru. That was a
1: very good match. Oh, one of my favorites. And,
0: uh, what a match! Yeah, that was like uh, the chemist- chemistry thing that they never met and but it clicked. And uh, actually, it was the uh, first Japanese wrestling match where female manager outside the ring, it really worked. Sh- Sherry Mart, sensational Sherry Martel. She was
1: amazing in the match.
0: Oh, and, and the Japanese wrestling never had that. You know, then, uh, yeah. It, it felt worked. like so America much,
1: versus... So much. Like the American pro-wrestling versus Japanese pro-wrestling. It really felt like that. I guess
0: so Japanese, huh? Yeah, and Macho Man Randy Savage, of course, epitome of American professional wrestling. He's like a cartoon
1: Everything character just, at that point. You know, he's over the top. and
0: Oh, he, and he moves so big, and his gestures and, and mannerism is just like, it just was produced as a big audience movement. That the, he moves so slow, but it's like so exaggerated everything, and you can be in nosebleed and understand him, right?
1: And he's so colorful too. Of course,
0: of course. And but it somehow worked with this Tenru's such seriousness in the ring, and uh, it really complimenting each other.
1: Yeah, it was yeah, a perfect anyhow, the, perfect conflict. Yeah. Perfect conflict. It was, it was but, but a good
0: a, good match though.
1: Well, there was the story right up front. Somebody, you know, Randy Savage is disrespecting Tenru. That's what I read going yeah, into. Oh, okay, okay. And you get the match. But from
0: there, there was no big promo, mic promo, you know, you know, just talking about each other or anything like that. Just went right into the ring and started a match and it just kind of clicked.
1: Uh, I mean, they, they that told was a the t- story. type of
0: match that, yeah, we, there was a, the, such a good match that we talk about that match to this day. Anyhow, that was around the time, that was a day, I think, that uh, I I stand right by the dugout and, and, and Motoko Baba was standing right next to me, oh my gosh, but uh, we talked and uh, said she remembered Nineteen-year-old young, young Vince McMahon running around backstage of Madison Square Garden with his bow tie. His bow tie was the point. Nineteen-year-old Vince McMahon running around because his father, Vince Vincent James McMahon, running the show, and uh, that's what what Motoko remembered from that day. You know, oh, that's Mr. McMahon's son, and never thought thirty some years later that that he's the one
1: running the show. She probably never viewed so, him like a rival.
0: Oh, not really. just that, that, you know, the kid was bow I grew up, you know, to become the biggest, you know, biggest promoter in the world. And Motoko felt good about it, I guess.
1: Mm, but it's always going to yeah. be a Vince Senior's son to her. I guess, yeah, that's a generation thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah that's why that uh, not just Baba and Motoko but the group of older wrestling fans in Japan still call today's Vince Vince McMahon jr
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, definitely like a lost piece of the WWE story as well as all Japan story it's, it's... oh
0: because I think uh this Vince resented the you know junior part of the, his name and he never used it. He was always Vince McMahon on television and TV television says that. and also he takes all the junior away. You know that the junior name away from the wrestler. Remember, Rey Mysterio is actually Rey Mysterio Junior mm-hmm. in, in Mexico. Yeah, or when Ted DiBiase Junior debuted, you know, you don't have to be you know million dollar man Ted DiBiase's son. Remember him? Mm-hmm. His name was also Ted Ted DiBiase, but never use the name junior Dory Funk Dory ever Funk junior? was made to a Dory Funk Jr. in WWF as Haas Funk. No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 seriously. Vince hates the word junior. I <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. I, that I explains tell, a but, lot about you
1: know, a person with yeah? that, that one. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, and but the kind of um, the name or being called somebody's junior, junior, it's like uh, almost humiliating, right? I guess. I mean, somebody, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, it
1: depends on who. I guess it depends on who.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, the cowboy Bob Orton in Japan was Bob Orton Jr. in Japan, mm-hmm. but he was never Bob Orton Jr. in in WWF. He was Ace or Cowboy Bob Orton. Mm -hmm. So in WWF, you just don't use the word you junior. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the things that they don't talk about, but uh, let's go back to Giant Baba, And uh, there was another, you know, like almost like a Paul Bunyan story, how they remember and looked at WWF and WWE and Vince Junior and all that. But uh, yeah, Baba was such that in a, you know when the TV became all color and uh, Tokyo tower being built and uh, Tokyo 1964 Tokyo Olympic came, it was just uh, it's giant Baba really you know symbolized the, the 60s you know and into 70s you know economy booming and uh, industrial and uh, or this high-tech Japan kind of image,
1: Baba fits right into that. Mm, the resurgence of a Japanese market, Japanese economy in the world. Um, yeah. Good times. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's been said. And sad.
0: also, he's always been uh, the main guy on 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, you know, Friday night, primetime wrestling. Or oh, Ever since the Rick Dozen's era, the... the we always had Friday night eight o'clock primetime wrestling on Channel Four, but uh, Giant Baba became the, the main guy of that uh, the color color version of that, and he was international heavyweight champion. You wonder, you know, see, in English speaking world, th- does international heavyweight champion and world heavyweight champion does that sound which is better, world heavyweight champion and international heavyweight champion?
1: I mean, I think we're conditioned to believe the world is, even though okay. it's pretty much if you define both, it That's means the, thing. Same well, thing. Yeah, it was
0: the same it means the same thing. Yeah.
1: But in wrestling, we've been conditioned to believe, you know, the international or, or anything with an I is less than the best. It's not the world is I don't know, I just oh,
0: okay, okay. It's not but official or unofficial,
1: yeah. I think. That's just my opinion. I think it's that's what we've been, uh, you know, we've been programmed. This is how it is. That's how it's been for decades and decades.
0: Yeah, because the world, and then also, world means America. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> right,
0: yeah. Yeah, because yeah, United States heavyweight champion, U.S. champion, that's like almost like a world championship too, because – I think not, not quite, but...
1: Uh, WWF really did away with a lot of the, the territorial championships or anything that was kind of sport. They just wanted everything under the one umbrella. And Sure. Simple. Yeah, up until
0: 1984, you know, national expansion, WWE era, that uh, each and every, you know, every territory had the championship and there were a number of US heavyweight championships, US. You know, in, in Crockett's U.S. heavyweight champion, the Detroit, the Sheik's U.S. championship that uh, in, in, in late 50s into 60s is a Chicago U.S. heavyweight champion. And there was, uh, you know, the Canadian version of the U.S. title in Toronto. And Inoki even had the U.S. title in Tokyo Pro Wrestling. And uh, so U- United States heavyweight title meant something, you know, that uh, it's like a big title. But yes, it was Vince McMahon that made it into World Wrestling Federation champion. And didn't even say heavyweight champion, so WWF champion. But but they created universal title now above. (laughs) Now it's in the universe that the universal title is above the WWF championship. I don't know, but anyhow, that the Baba was always international heavyweight champion in Japan. So I guess Japanese fans, were conditioned to believe. That's the most important important title in wrestling. Okay, and the Baba was the main guy every week, Friday night, eight o'clock, and international heavyweight champion, we were, we were talking about that uh, in Japanese wrestling calendar, you know, that uh, maybe the listeners uh, have to be reminded that uh, it, it's kind of like Japanese wrestling always have, have, had this calendar year. You have like a seven, eight tours like, uh, like a period you know four to six week period that they run tours then they, they, they televise it in every week but that each tour had this new different set of American stars right mm-hmm. you know this tour you have Dick the Bruiser and so on you this tour you have Jane Knisky and so on and so on. you have uh, the this tour you have uh Wilbur Snyder and Danny Hodge together or something like that. Each and every tour, the top American, top Gaijin I should say, huh? Will challenge Jan Baba's international champion on top, like a single top program. And Baba defends his international title and wins. And that was a program. And by living in Japan, who did just spend one year in Japan with, you know, watching wrestling, you, you'll you be watching six, seven, eight different tours. was six, seven, eight different sets of American superstars. They rotate, you know, and uh, you ended up watching all these, you know, superstars from all the different territories, NWA territory, I should say. NWA wasn't, um, one company, but it was a more like uh, the membership of, you know, a bunch, you know, the clusters of a bunch of different that, uh, regional territories. The wrestlers from NWA Florida, wrestlers from NWA Georgia, the Pensacola, that uh, wrestlers from Dallas, Texas, wrestlers from Houston, Texas, wrestlers from Tennessee, that sometimes AWA wrestlers or wrestlers from California or Vancouver, Canada, Calgary, you know, uh, or Montreal, Toronto, or East Coast America. There's just all kinds of different top stars then. It was all before WWE took over the entire world that there were good-sized American territories, like 25 of them all all over the country, and each place sent their top stars to Japan, and Bob would be there to defend his international title. That was the that's how they function i guess that
1: uh, that's how they were
0: doing Mm. does that make any sense
1: baba would take on the foreigners yeah top best usually the best of whom like nwa you said it could be from like from either bruno san martino before the wwf to nwa champions like jack briscoe and uh dory funk yeah Dory funk
0: yeah, hurry race, younger hurry race, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when, you know, they conditioned and educated Japanese fans that NWA, National Wrestling Alliance, was was the undisputed World Heavyweight Championship. And that was the biggest uh, organization of all, all the, the biggest governing body of professional wrestling and such. And uh, well, all the wrestling fans, like older than you and I uh, in Japan, they still believe the NWA, you know, myth to this day. But uh, it was a membership thing that uh, JWA, you know, Nippon Pro Wrestling, uh, that's the same company Ricky Dozen ran when he was alive. But uh, that now that in the 60s, the company was run by uh, uh, Yoshino Sato, okay? They became, Yoshino Sato and Kokichi Endo became official member of NWA, in 1968 or something, 67, 68, that's when they announced, they, that's when they announced uh, NWA, National Wrestling Alliance was the biggest organization and it's champs. When, when Lou came, uh came to Japan in, back in 1957 and had a title defense against Rick Dawson they didn't really announce NWA. It was simply world championship, right? Mm-hmm. But the, now they you know acknowledge NWA's name and the, the first NWA World Heavyweight Champion with under that you know the, the name NWA it, it was Dory Funk Jr. in 1969 Dory Funk Jr. as young 28 year old Dory Funk Jr. made his first trip to Japan. He had a title defense against Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki separately. And it was both 60-minute Broadway, of course. The first night, Enoki challenged, no falls, it's just 60-minute. It, back then, everything was what, the uh, two out of three fall match, right? Mm. But Enoki and Dory Funk uh, fought 60-minute with no fall, no pinfall, nothing. And, and, and therefore, Dory Funk Jr. defended his title. Second night, second night, Jan Baba challenged. Woo, right? That was a big, big deal because international champion Baba challenging Dory Funk Jr. as a challenger. Dory Funk Jr. is the NWA title. Two out of four, three match, one fall each, and third fall went to that, you know, the, the 60 minute. And uh, therefore, Dory Funk kept the title. So, Jap. That's when Japanese fans believed there was something above Japanese wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that NWA exists as something like a above Japanese wrestling, and the NWA understood there was like people understood there is something bigger and better, and that's an organization NWA, and Dory Funk is a champion, and uh, therefore this that the whole idea of NWA being undisputed World Heavyweight Champion was established in Japan. That really um, was a very important part when Inoki was actually fired from uh, JWA Nippon Pro Wrestling in December of 1971 and Baba basically quit JWA uh, Spring of 72. There was like a turmoil in company and you know, after Ricky Dozen's era, you know, same um, network money from NTV, Channel 4, kept coming to wrestling, and they, even without Ricky Dozen, Japanese wrestling, JWA, always had this you know, network, big budget. And July of 1969, another network, NET, and now it's TV Asahi, okay? Um, two networks, Two channels, channel four and channel ten. Two channels in, in uh, network television start carrying wrestling. What I'm trying to get to is that Yoshino Sato and JWA company, who were running you know Japanese wrestling at the time, they basically double dipped <laughs> network budget, right? Double started double dipping, even mm-hmm. bigger budget. It's the same JWA, but they had Friday night wrestling with Giant Baba and 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 Monday night nine o'clock they had you know same same crew JWA but they use Antonio Inoki as the top guy. Giant Baba does not appear on Channel Ten NIT TBSA his show. So then as a kid it's the same JWA but uh, Monday night nine o'clock television the Inoki is the main guy. Then uh, Friday night, 8 o'clock, Channel 4, it's Baba's the main guy. And Inoki actually appeared, both channels. But they started wondering, is that two different kind of dressing? And then they ultimately became, later you know, New Japan and Old Japan. It had to be, you know. But uh, basically, Yoshino Sato and, and, and JWA Company were double-dipping two different network channels, double budget, right? But wrestlers weren't making as much money. And Antonio Inoki and his group of people went into their account and wanted to know what was happening in in, in the bookkeeping. And Baba wanted to do the same. But uh, I guess something backfired and the company uh, fired 29-year-old Inoki and Baba was part of the revolution, you know. You know. So Baba didn't, you know, want to stay there and Channel 4 people, Nippon TV, basically told Baba to leave the company, and create your own wrestling company and Wobakia, back here. Much like decades later, if you remember, when Misawa and his group left, that version of All Japan to create Pro Wrestling Noir, Channel 4 went with Misawa and mm-hmm. left All Japan, remember? So a very similar thing happened, you know, a couple of decades before that. And Giant Baba ended up creating his, you know, initial All Japan Pro Wrestling in summer of 1972. And Channel 4 started, you know, carrying Giant Baba's All Japan program right away. And shortly after that, yeah, sure enough, JWA, Nippon Pro Wrestling went down. That's that's the history. Well, I'm, what, what I'm trying to get to is though, NWA myth in Japan was so big that basically what Baba did right away, right after he opened his All Japan Pro Wrestling, he went to St. Louis and got the NWA membership mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. So that the NWA World Heavyweight Champion will be appearing in Jan Baba's All Japan Pro Wrestling from that point on
1: interesting huh could you say that people view the NWA like they viewed uh, MLB and baseball
0: yeah yeah something like that something like that yeah or NFL or biggest governing body of professional wrestling it, mm. it probably wasn't it was a bunch of you know regional promoter get together once a year and and, and, and go to Las Vegas and have, you know spend weekend together or something right mm, mm. <laughs> but uh, th- in reality, they were, you know, re- all the regional companies and territories in States for, what, 20, 30-year period, they shared a common world heavyweight championship. World champion Luthes, Body Rogers, the Pat the, the you know, Luthes again, and Jane Koniski, Dory Funk, Harry Race, uh, Jack Briscoe. These people actually traveled territory to territory to defend his world, an N.W. World Heavyweight Champion, and that the local champion, like a Florida Heavyweight Champion, that the Georgia Heavyweight Champion, that uh, whatnot. They challenged. NWA world champion in regional territory. In, 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 in and throughout the year, NWA world champion will travel territory to territory. And Giant Baba's All Japan became one of the NWA territory. Therefore, you have Dory Funk, Harley Race, Jack Risco, all these people travel uh, to Japan. And when they come to Japan, you work in the, you know, NWA member Giant Baba's All Japan. Mm-hmm. Are you following me?
1: Yeah, and, and uh, yeah. You, we can watch these days. We can watch a lot of the older remastered matches, and you can see the. I guess if you had to say, there's an NWA style, the style that All Japan and early JWA was very similar to what you'd see in the states. At a, you know, for, I'm talking about for heavyweight title matches with Baba or Inoki, uh, right? You know, right. but but particularly now here with Baba, I mean, it was NWA style of pro wrestling.
0: Yeah, and then also he was, um, Giant Baba as a promoter, uh, meticulous. uh, When they have, you know, let's say Giant Baba against Jack Briscoe or something in a world title match, he actually brings Sam Machinic over from St. Louis to be witness of the World Heavyweight Championship, Mm -hmm. the title match, you know, to make it more uh, authentic, I guess, yeah.
1: And later it worked uh, both ways because I remember uh, all Japan would always send over a television crew. NTV would send over a big television crew to you know record Baba with somebody or. Bruce. Right when Baba day. travels
0: to the states and have a match in yeah
1: in in NWA territory or
0: AWA territories and yes, and also uh, there was two year period, uh, seventy three and seventy four I believe two years in a row that. Antonio Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling applied for NWA membership and denied in two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And so that was the news. So that made NWA even bigger as an entity. Wow, they denied, you know, Antonio Inoki's application and then they choose Barber over it, you know. And, uh, but to think about this, you know, uh, NWA had this mentality not really studying the market, I guess at the time that the one territory and one company, that's it. But then that's such a that's, a, that's a philosophy going against free enterprise. Don't you think? Well, yeah,
1: there's one enterprise yeah, in that case.
0: Yeah, it, it, It's not, it's, it was like more like a, such a monopoly mentality, one regional territory, one resting company, that's it. And then, uh, uh, the, uh, I guess it was all political that, uh, you know, group of promoters who, who were friends with Baba did want, didn't want to welcome Inoki's New Japan as a member of NWA. And, and of all people, Inoki wanted to be part of NWA for that period of time. Well, you know, to invite world heavyweight champion or more bigger superstars from America. You know, at the time, Inoki's New Japan didn't have much big name American superstars in the early 70s. You had Carl Gachi's influence, of course, and the biggest superstars for Inoki's New Japan was with the Taiga Jitsing, Maguire mm-hmm. brothers, <laughs> and uh, Johnny Powers, Killer Car Crop, and, and people like that. And little bit of influence from uh, here that the Los Angeles promoter, Michael LaBelle, was just about the only NW promoter who was helping uh, Inoki's New Japan. So they sent uh, LA wrestlers like John Tolas, you know, and New Japan created NWA North American Tag Team Championship and Inoki and Sakaguchi traveled to States and had a match at the Olympic auditorium and they crowned uh, NWA, North American tag team champion, uh, Johnny Powers and younger Pat Patterson together. The reason Pat Patterson was involved was that Enoki and Pat Patterson, friends from Oregon and San Francisco days, you know. But uh, Enoki had very limited help from all the promoters from the States. But because NWA at the time, you know, late uh, early 70s NWA promoters mentality, they did not know the market of Japan. There were two kings in Japanese wrestling, Baba and Inoki. But for older generation promoters, Baba
1: was the only important promoter in Japan. Does that make sense? Because before Baba, it was just one promoter. It was Rikidozan.
0: Right, right. Therefore, basically monopoly. You know, they all go against your, you know, free enterprise, though, don't you think? But then but it, again, wrestling promoter always had this mental, you know, monopoly mentality.
1: Well, I think what it also did, and this is more of an observation and a benefit to, you know, in retrospect, it's better for the fans. But what happened was, it seems like all Japan was where you would see the big stars from around the world, whereas New Japan became less of, uh, because they didn't have the access to the big stars, they and Inoki really relied more on spectacle, bringing in uh, international fighters or Or, right,
0: (laughs) and ultimately that led to the creation of IWGP concept.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it uh, it developed in a different way, yeah, for better or worse.
0: It it divided wrestling fans in Japan too, though, because people, some people, believed in Giant Baba's establishment in connection with America, that is your legitimate lineage from wrestling business and wrestling history that this, you know, NWA, the biggest governing body of professional wrestling choose Giant Baba as a promoter and represent Japan. Whereas Inoki, like a one-man show superstar on, on the other channel, remember? So, yeah, so we always had this Two, it's almost like a two different philosophy, right? If you watch Jan Baba, this is like, and like you said, like MLB or NFL, you know, all all these superstars come to Jan Baba. Whereas, but Antonio Inoki didn't have any American superstars. Therefore, you had to create your own program. But Inoki was one man superstar on that television too. So it worked both ways, I guess. But the Jan Baba, yes, was the what a yeah, superstar wrestler but uh, also was viewed as like promoter like a faithful promoter
1: yeah so when he started promoting when he started getting more serious about that role how was it like early on and and when exactly was it was it in the middle or or i guess i guess 69
0: uh altogether. when he started 76. doing that
1: with in J- 72 is when everything kicked up but was he doing any of the promotions or booking W A? WA? I guess he had this role and he was
0: already a board, you know, board director, a uh, board member of JWA uh, at the time. But uh, Baba had all the seniors, you know, Yoshinosato, the Kokichi Endo, the uh, Michiak Yoshimura, that, that they were still... Uh, like promoting and running the company, and Baba was still in his early 30s, and he was viewed as active superstar, although he was already in the office. But the 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 reason he wanted to create and start old Japan is uh, was that uh, he did not want to fire his older, you know, uh, the, the senpais. How's that? Hmm.
1: Yeah. For the seniors. And, uh,
0: Seniors, yeah. And Channel 4 wanted to back Janet Baba as new establishment and leave. Yeah. Why don't you leave JWA and create your own company and start the company? And then in the Channel 4, MTV, Nippon Television will always back. here. Yeah. And that's he happily left the company. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, JWA went down quickly. And that was a switch of the power. But he didn't do that within JWA. He left the company and really completely started the new company. Although when JWA company went down, all the like eight to ten wrestlers, they were still with JWA. Baba had to take them. Basically. Like inherit them. Yeah, the, but what, Baba, 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 yeah, but Giant Baba wasn't completely happy because because he really defeated the whole purpose of leaving, you
1: know? Right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Baba didn't really use these ex-JWA wrestlers on top. You know, the Kintaro Oki, the Umanosuke Ueda, the great Kojika, the, all these people. He, he didn't want to use on top. And eventually, Kintaro Oki left. And went back to South Korea and, and started his own company. And Umanosuke Ueda uh, went back to States, and you know that's where he lived. And uh, Great Kojika uh, went back to Amarillo, Texas, for a while, and then became Kang Hu Lee and had his, you know, run. And uh, eventually, all these people came back and joined again. But uh, yeah, Jampa wanted to run his company with his people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then that 70, end of 72 was the year that uh, Munich Olympic wrestling representative that J- Tomomi Tsuruta, Jumbo Tsuruta as a golden rookie, he started. Mm. That, yeah, Jumbo and his generation was the type of wrestlers that Baba wanted to promote, not the you know, old
1: leftover guys from JWA. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? New guys, proven athletes like... Baba himself. Baba was a proven athlete. Tommy Suruta yeah. Jumbo Suruta was a, a proven athlete and got his training in the states from the yeah. best in the I NW. Mean, right out
0: of college, right out of Munich 72 Olympic. I mean, superstar rookie from the mm-hmm. from the day one and giant Baba and Jumbo Tura, the matches, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the and prince. Al- yeah, yeah, he's a prince. And also Jumbo, or I should say in you know, the young Tommy Tsuruta. Was sent to Amarillo, Texas before his debut in Japan. He wasn't even trained that much in Old Japan Dojo. He was sent right to Dory Funk, you know, Funk Family place in Amarillo, and that's where he started.
1: Yeah. You can see in his wrestling, he doesn't wrestle like a typical Japanese type wrestler, you could say. He's totally. He works like a Dory Funk. (laughs) Yeah. He he works like a big uh, NWA monster type. He was yeah, always a perfect also, match for Brody. Abba,
0: oh, naturally wanted to have somebody tall, big, heavyweight wrestler in his company. And can move.
1: And can throw kicks, oh, dropkick. Oh, su- su- or...
0: Super athlete. Mm. And yeah, it's a little sidetrack, But when J- Jum- we talked about it before, but when Jumbo as a rookie was sent to Amarillo, Texas, another rookie he became friends with in Amarillo territory at the time, and you know, late '72 into early '73 was very young Stan Hansen. Interesting
1: history, huh? Hmm. And wasn't Tenru also around at that time? Uh,
0: um uh, not not another three years. Okay. Tenru wouldn't start until '76.
1: But he's another example of what Baba would want, right? Yeah,
0: because yeah, like a former, former... star sumo wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he didn't even cut the sumo hair off, uh, you know, when he went to Amarillo, Texas. And he st- still had the sumo hairdo, like a samurai. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He went to the States and debuted. And Tenru's 76 debut um, uh, opponent in America, in Amarillo, was rookie Ted DiBiase. Uh, Isn't wow. that interesting? I mean, wow, right out really. of college
1: came up together it's funny yeah
0: that 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 really helped baba's another myth legacy legend of like uh, your rightful heritage of professional wrestling Mm -hmm. yeah and strong connection with america wrestling business came from america right and, uh, and reading-oriented Japanese wrestling fan really read these all these stories. Well, including myself, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Jumbo's connection uh, in his rookie year, he had spent in, in in Amarillo, Texas, and Dory Funk, Terry Funk, and late Dory Funk Senior, they all became so close figure to Japanese wrestling fans. They're like a sister territory to all Japan fans. Does
1: that Mm -hmm. make sense? Like just the the famous, the stars of the time. The famous Mm -hmm. uh, outsider stars that uh, were regulars as well.
0: And also up until then, Japanese babyface against American heels in the the, the Japanese wrestling format. But the Baba was able to create babyface Americans. Yeah.
1: Does that make sense? The Funks are the best yeah. example.
0: Oh, be, oh, before Funks, Dick Byer, the Destroyer, intelligent, oh, sensational Destroyer, was the biggest rival of Ricky Dozen and the bad guy at the time. And he made figure four leg locks famous in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Then uh, when Baba's company started, Dick Byer, the Destroyer, came in and they worked the tour. And there was a program that the, if he lost this match against single match against Giant Baba. That uh, he will join the company. Then hmm. uh, Dick Buyer, uh, of course, lost the you know match to John Barber. And following spring, Dick Buyer brought his entire family, you know, the, the two sons, one daughter, and his wife, the whole family moved to Japan, and they lived in Japan for the for next seven, eight years. Hmm. Oh my gosh! I mean, there was a the biggest story, that uh, not just match or two, but Destroyer, Dick Bayer moved his whole family and became like an all Japan member. And he, his family lived in Japan and spoke the language and went to school here. Japanese he resident. He ah, that was the biggest, I mean, just, something
1: Inoki couldn't do. You know what I'm saying? Mm, he got uh, beyond wrestling, he became very popular in pop culture.
0: Destroyer. Oh, Destroyer? Oh, yeah. Uh, really, really famous. Late night game shows, the, the variety shows. You know, you lived in Japan. It's just like a records. Variety,
1: uh, v- yeah,
0: variety game show heaven, huh? And, you know. Yeah,
1: and he, and he's always on there singing in Japanese and doing silly things.
0: And yeah, and then he spoke the language too. You know, he picked up the language, not as good as his, you know, his kids, but uh, yeah, and he became a cultural icon in Japan. So he, had, he was being veteran that uh, that was like a basically last big run as a professional wrestler. But he chose Japan to stay here and he was part of early old Japan's, you know, big roster. Yeah. Baba and Destroyer became tag team. Yeah, it was a, it was a really, really big thing. So these are the type of thing promoter, you know, giant Baba was producing. And also at the same time that the uh, uh, very beginning of All Japan Pro Wrestling, that the uh, family of Ricky Dosen was uh, in, in the press conference, and that uh, Ricky Dozen's widow uh, brought this Ricky Dozen's old international heavyweight title belt, the physical belt, and gave it to Baba. Use that. And, uh, it, 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 following year it became pwf heavyweight title mm-hmm. all these rightful historical you know that the uh f- the physical championship belt too but the, all the lineage image was there with jan baba
1: i think yeah. that is it feels like that's a big part of uh his image as a whole is that he was the he protected the all the traditions and uh the past everything that came before he tried to hold it together and uh yeah yeah keep the lineage and and, and keep yeah Ricky as widow k- 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 k-
0: the Keiko san came that was a big thing and it presented the uh, this old antique belt that uh, the belt was created that uh, designed uh after Luthes's belt if you know the metal you know gold metal belts
1: mm-hmm, very the, tiny the, one
0: yeah kind of tiny one for today's standard yes <laughs> but that the very the image of what world heavyweight champion should be, we call it Luthers belt. But mm-hmm. Ricky Dozen loved it so much, but he he so he made his championship belt look just like Luthers belt, right? And that was at Ricky Dozen's home, and Ricky Dozen's widow Keiko-san Sam brought that physical belt to Baba and presented. So therefore, forget JWA, right? I mean. All, Baba's old Japan became part of Rikidozan family too at the same time. There's all these right things about historical, almost conservative, but uh, as a kid, I really believed every single bit of all these little historical items. Yeah.
1: Oh, and also, you, well, you also mentioned that connections to Rikidozan, but also his sons would go on to All the right,
0: right, the older son... Uh, that the Yoshihiro Momota became ring announcer first then became wrestler and Momota Mitsuo, that uh, the younger son of Rikidozan he still worked to, to this day but uh, yeah he, right. he joined yeah right right then uh, Chikara his son that means grandson of Rikidozan he work as a wrestler now then then he he's, they're still here but uh, yeah right The two sons of Rikidozan joined Oja, Baba's Old Japan real early so that helped Baba's image too right that is the old Japan is the right company
1: mm-hmm. the all, blood is yeah. connected to uh from JWA to all Japan and New Japan is something different and
0: Ricky goes on to Baba right
1: right right, right. like or, uh, it's like a Shakespeare these, or something like the, the yeah all these images
0: all these the Baba always kept that they made sure that the that uh all the right connection from America is it's all Babas. And the Ricky Dozen heritage and all the lineage and historical championship belt to all these things, uh, physical belt too, uh, it's all babas. And then and, and then channel four, the Ricky Dozen's network, right? That uh Friday night, eight that that was Baba. But the, uh, when JWA went down, that uh, uh John Baba started his old Japan Pro Wrestling, it was Saturday night, 8 o'clock. Because Nippon TV Channel 4, you know, dropped the Friday night program before JWA went down. And what happened at the, later on in 73 was that TV Asahi Channel 10 took that image and started running their show on Friday night, 8 o'clock for Inoki. So they took the image of like a Japanese wrestling fan is conditioned to watch Friday night, every Friday night, eight o'clock wrestling. The channel has, you know, switched from uh, that the Nippon TV to Ch- TBSAHI. But TBSAHI N.E.T. at the time was so smart that the, when Inoki and Sakaguchi joined and made New Japan a bigger company, that the, they took the eight o'clock Friday night time slot altogether too. Therefore, they took that you know Friday night eight o'clock image. Suc- yeah, succeeded. That's another, you know, interesting part of that uh, television history in wrestling in in Japan.
1: Very interesting because a lot of the time when the company had a deal with the television company, they were successful. Meaning like a
0: network budget, yeah, yeah, network budget, yeah, because they were, you know, that uh, it's estimated though, but uh, in nineteen seventy three money, you know, they were paying like a. 200 grand a week, um, you know, to each, you know, to Baba's company. And that's like, that's like 800,000 a month. Uh, It's like almost like a 10 million a year. Yeah.
1: It was fresh content every week.
0: Yeah. I mean, $10 million, $10 million annual budget, you know, that the channel four is preparing for company. Yeah, that's how you run big, you know, big company. And that's why you had this every tour, you have this all this top expensive talents from all over territory from America.
1: Yeah. And on top uh, of that, Baba and his wife, Motoko Baba, they already had quite a bit of money. It's, uh, yeah, they're, they're already, already in a financial America runs. Yeah. I mean, they're in arguably... a
0: condominium in, in Hawaii, of course. So and they had everything, tours, yeah. Between tours, oh, King and Queen, King and Queen, exactly. Yeah, they had everything. And between tours, g- they get on the plane and go to their their condominiums in Hawaii and and take weeks off. Oh wow, in Hawaii, and he appointed Lord James Blair as the head of PWF. Pacific Wrestling Federation, right? Well, PWF never really ran wrestling shows, but they needed establishment. That uh, John Bob probably didn't want to call this his new heavyweight championship, uh, all Japan heavyweight champion, right? Mm -hmm. He needed like some recognizable organization's name. Therefore, Pacific Wrestling Federation, PWF. And that the president was Lord James Blair's from, from Hawaii, so uh, I, including other kids, you know, back then as a wrestling fans, we believed it, right? There's a new organization called PWF, Pacific Wrestling Federation, it's in Hawaii, and they recognize Jan Baba's champion, right? They used the physical Ricky Dawson belt for that title. All these little things and all these, uh, you know, reading-oriented Japanese fans really learned these little details and believe it.
1: Yeah, Lord Bleer is uh, stuck with that role for decades after decades.
0: that. The uh, next 30 years of it, right? He would
1: always, before the big, uh, what would turn into match Triple Crown is, later? Uh, yeah,
0: off. Yeah.
1: He would yeah. always be in the front row. You, any, any All Japan you, anybody out there wants to watch, if you look at from the 90s or the Lord 80s. James
0: Blair from Hawaii. Yeah. He's usually. And also, he was an opponent of, of old Ricky Dozens, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah dating back so those little details are very important in wrestling yeah
1: the connections
0: yeah yeah oh the heritage and uh yeah yeah so uh, baba really cherished these things yeah and also he never
1: really had falling out with any promoters or wrestlers for that matter yeah, he has a famous reputation. Everybody, I mean, he's loved worldwide. He's loved within the industry and uh, as a promoter.
0: Yeah, what was so interesting is though, well, the company wasn't all that big, actually. It was ran by Baba and Mrs. Baba and just 10 other guys. Whereas Inoki's All Japan company always had like 100, over 100 employees in the company, but the Baba's company always kept it small, but had strong connections. And uh yeah, that was how they ran. wrestling. That also meant really close door society though. Mm-hmm. It, it was really hard to go in and, and if once you're in, you're in, you're not in, you're not in, kind of thing. Tighten it in the backstage area. Yeah, yeah, but you have to be Mrs. Baba's favorite. That's why people kissed up a lot.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, maybe in our next episode, we'll probably have to talk more about Mrs. Baba because. Role. Was, yeah. Because uh, I mean, w- we'll talk more about the seventies next time, but it, uh, Baba as a wrestler started to wind down and, and not take, he, he wasn't a, a main event character from, you know, the eighties on He He was right. Right. He was uh, taking more of a backseat. He was involved of course. And, but it was more of on a, like a, a tag team promoter basis. Promoter and
0: producer, yeah. And promoter and, and producer, yeah. Big one, ultimate one. Saw Booker. He decides mm-hmm. who goes over, who who's not. You know,
1: really the king, of the royal really the world. king,
0: really the king. And what was interesting is though that uh, such an old fashioned promoter, right? So kind of like your you know some Machinik and Vern Garnier, that the old fashioned promoters that. The, they did not have written contract. Picked mm-hmm. up a phone. Phone call. And Dory Funk Jr. and Baba will talk over the phone and book American wrestlers. They come in, but they didn't really sign contracts. Just handshake. Mm-hmm. But they still give you a visa. You know what I'm saying?
1: So, yeah, your character was a really important part of all of this when you were going over there there was a lot of trust involved because there was really no other way we
0: have yeah when we talk about giant baba we have to talk about wrestler giant baba but we also have to talk about promoter giant baba
1: Mm -hmm. and it's very different talking about
0: promoter giant baba today
1: yeah And, and it's it's different from Inoki, who was also wrestler and promoter but his he did it a different way baba became uh, kind of, That's why Antonio Noki
0: needed big Lieutenant
1: Seiji mm. Sakaguchi. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Baba was, he he had Mrs. a specific Baba. idea. Yeah, Mrs. Baba to do the dirty work, but.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, but what was interesting though, their marriage was not acknowledged until 1982 or so. Hmm. Isn't Any that reason? Oh, I guess Mrs. Baba's, you know, the that the rich, you know, family in Kobe did not acknowledge it. Hmm. Baseball player Shohei Baba, fine, but not professional wrestling giant Baba.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a little bit of stigma in professional wrestling in Japan,
1: I guess. And maybe more back then too,
0: huh? Yeah, but we'll talk about that next time.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that, and Mrs. Baba, and and more of the the younger generation that comes from the, the late seventies and eighties.
0: All right, so we can go into mid mid to late seventies next time.
1: <laughs> mid to late seventies, that sounds good. But we,
0: at the same time, we're doing like we study Japanese wrestling history, though.
1: Yeah, and the other side uh, uh you know not New Japan, but uh, all Japan. With it. it's a little bit harder to. Uh, access you know watching things in order or or having access to it in general like like
0: in the early 80s into mid 80s like a younger you know uh, reporter like myself you know was like the old japan backstage was such an uncomfortable place to be
1: we need (laughs) to hear more stories about that Yeah, because
0: mrs baba you know plays favorite you know what i mean ah
1: okay yeah
0: yeah i wasn't (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, you know I, that, so, that'll be for next time for all sure. right sounds good okay so where can we find you on uh social um, media
0: on twitter fumi hikodayo f-u-m-i-h-i-k-o-d-a-y-o fumihikodayo on twitter or just Fumisaito on on facebook i'm st- o- also on instagram as fumisaito 2001 but i'm not there that much <laughs>
1: And uh, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, I P P E R on Twitter. Uh, that's it for now. That was part two. Join us next week for part three. Until next time, Fumi.
0: So long from Tokyo.